Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some praise all across this building. Come on, let's continue to worship him all across this house. His presence has filled the temple. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody give God some praise. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. How many loves what they feel in the house of the Lord here today? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So grateful for amen, the move of God and God's presence. Amen. At this time, we'd like to dismiss our Sunday school students to their classrooms. Amen. Along with their teachers. Everybody say, God bless our Sunday school kids. And God bless our Sunday school teachers. Amen. Praise God. Amen. As they are heading out the door to their classrooms, if you could turn open your Bible to so the book of Acts chapter 26 and beginning in verse 22. Amen. Acts chapter 26 and verse number 22. It is good to have Elder and Sister Worley back in the house of the Lord. Welcome home. Amen. Amen. It's also good to have Elder Bobo here. He told me today he wasn't feeling very well, and he had to put his oxygen on, and then I showed up to church, and he came, he came in the, right into the doors. Amen. And so it's good to have him in the house of the Lord as well. Amen. <laughs> Acts chapter 26, in verse number 22, felt very Strongly, this has been on my heart for the last uh, several weeks, this passage of Scripture, and, and on Wednesday I felt it even stronger, and so I want to I ride that wave and uh, hopefully minister to somebody in Jesus' name. Acts chapter 26 and beginning verse 22, Paul is preaching, and he says, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and to great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. That Christ should suffer and should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, Thou art beside thyself, and much learning doth make thee mad. As a preacher, I've, I've felt like that a few times. Amen. That, uh, that you get beside yourself when you're preaching. Amen. In fact, you look a little crazy when you're trying to express and compel people to come to Jesus. In fact, some people might think you're crazy. But I want to tell you, if that, if that gets somebody saved, If that gets somebody saved, you can call me crazy. I don't mind it at all. And Paul responded and said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but I speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom I also speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things were hidden from him, for these things were not done in a corner. This, this thing about Jesus, I know we're 2,000 plus years removed. But I want to tell you, Jesus' birth, Jesus' life, Jesus' death, Jesus' burial, and Jesus' resurrection are historical facts. Hallelujah. There are, there are enough eyewitnesses. These things were not done in a corner. These things were not done in secret. This was not, uh, this was not 
uh, well, I could, I could say a name of a religion, but I won't say it. But this is not some guy in, in the mountains of Salt Lake City discovering golden plates by himself. This was not done in a corner. Jesus was seen of 500 in one day. He stayed with them for 40 days, testifying and exhorting them and explaining them. Dude walked through walls. <laughs> he let Thomas touch the wounds. This was not done in a corner. He says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? He said, I know that you believe. This thing wasn't hidden from you, King Agrippa. You were alive. You were there when all of this was happening. Then Agrippa said unto Paul these famous words, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. He said, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I wish everybody here wasn't almost, but all together. I wish they were all together like me. I just, just don't want you to have these chains on you. Amen. I wish you were a Christian just like I was. Amen. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. Indecision is a decision. Amen. Indecision is a decision. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray all across this building? Come on, would you lift up your voice? Let's pray because we need the Holy Ghost to help. Because there are people in this building right now that this is going to minister right where you are. I am speaking to those that are here today. Amen. I feel like the Lord has got a word for you. And Jesus is going to help you. Hallelujah, Lord. I pray right now that, God, we would go beyond almost, God, and become altogether. That we would go beyond almost and become altogether. Hallelujah. Let's lift up our voice and let's magnify the Lord one more time and give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody shout praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated for a few moments here today. Amen. Indecision is a decision. God cares about the decisions that we make. Hallelujah. I'll say that for those in the back in the cheap seats. God cares about the decisions that we make. In fact, we find in Genesis it was God that gave us the ability to make decisions. Many have asked the question, why did God put a tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then tell man not to eat of it? For in the day you eat thereof, you'll surely die. This is a simple answer. It's all about decisions. Amen. Man could only make a decision if he had another option to choose from. Amen. God wanted people that chose him back. I want to tell you, if you are here today, it's because you have decided, amen, I'm going to choose Jesus back. If you have come to the house of the Lord today, it's because you are making decisions. I'm going to come to the house of the Lord today. You got up this morning, and because God gave you the ability, you chose and decided what to wear. You decided what route to take on the way to church. You decided whether or not you were going to stop by Starbucks on the way. 
you made decisions today. God allowed you and gave you the ability because it is not true worship if there's not the ability to choose. It's not true love if there's not the ability to choose. I've said it before, but amen. when I got down on one knee and said to my wife, will you marry me? She could have said no. I'm so glad she didn't. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. I told her beforehand, she, she's blind without her glasses. I said, take your glass off. And then I got down one knee. I said, will you marry me? <laughs> she couldn't see me, so she didn't know what she was getting into. Praise God. But it, that, that's love when you make a decision. When you decide, because you have the choice to say no. Now, if I came by with a burlap sack and uh, put it over her head and threw her in a van, that's not a choice. Amen. That's kidnapping. Praise God. And so God doesn't want to kidnap us. He wants us to choose him. Amen. God doesn't want us to have to serve him, to have to worship him. That's what he has. The angels cry, holy, 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 as they go around the throne of God. Amen. They consistently worship him without a choice. And God wanted somebody who could make the decision whether or not they were going to worship him, whether or not they were going to serve him. I want to tell you that right now we are in the position where we have to make a decision on whether or not we are going to be amongst those that choose Jesus. Hallelujah. We are going to be amongst those that have made a decision that I will. I have decided to worship him. I have decided to live for him. I have decided. It wasn't forced on me. Nobody put a gun to my head. I made a decision. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I got to preach this for those that think I'm only living for God today because I have to. I want to tell you that nobody anywhere forced you to live for God. Everybody in this building's got a decision to make. You can decide not to if you want. Amen. But God would rather prefer the people of God to make the decision to serve Him, to live for Him, to worship Him. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. All of this. This, this doctrine of decision that God implemented in Genesis, all of this was put in place so that we would eventually make it to, it was preparation for the greatest decision anybody would ever make, and that is the decision to follow Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, you, you got a lot of decisions in life to make, but I want to tell you there's only one that really matters, and that is the decision on whether or not you are going to live for Jesus. Amen. Where you go to college, make that decision, but ultimately it's of no concern. Amen. What job you take, what career you take, it's a great decision you're going to have to make uh, for the provision of your family, but ultimately in the long term, amen, it doesn't matter. What really matters is whether or not you have chosen a life for Jesus Christ. Amen. In Acts, Paul is presenting this eternal opportunity to Festus and to Agrippa. He is giving them an opportunity to decide. Paul uses all three levels of rhetoric. Rhetoric simply meaning it's the art of persuasion. Uh, in fact, they used to teach it in schools. They don't teach it anymore. I think we'd be a lot better off if they taught it some more because it's the art of persuasion. In fact, a lot of politicians do this. They are appealing to you. There are three main appeals when you are talking about rhetoric. Number one, there is the appeal of logic. You use logical means to get somebody to make a decision. 
There is the ethical decision-making uh, persuasion where you get them to see it's the right decision to make. And finally, you appeal to their emotions so that they can make the decision and stop waiting. We see that Paul used all three of these. He appealed to their logic when he reasoned with them the scriptures. He appealed to their ethics when he told his testimony. Amen. From a personal standpoint. And Paul said that I did not disobey the heavenly vision. For it would be wrong for me. He appealed to their ethics. Amen. He appealed to their emotions when he made a passionate plea for them to believe in Jesus Christ. But after all of this preaching, after all of the rhetoric, after all of the testifying, after all of the appealing, Agrippa made his most famous statement, uh, a statement that I, I, I would not want to go on my gravestone. He said, you almost, everybody say almost, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. Another translation puts it this way, at this Agrippa said to Paul, a little more, and your arguments would have made a Christian out of me. Amen. I've come to preach to somebody, amen, about indecision for a little bit. How often we want a little more information before we make a decision. How often we want a little more persuasion before we make a decision. How often we want a little more time before we make a decision. How often we want a more convenient season before we make a decision. How often we want things to get a little bit easier before we make a decision. How often we want a little more proof before we make a decision how often we want a little more certainty until we make a decision got to be careful of indecision folks a grip had fallen into the trap of indecision amen i'm coming to talk to us about this today that's a dangerous middle ground the danger of indecision is the word almost hallelujah i, I want to help somebody get out of almost today I almost said yes. Unfortunately, almost yes is always a no. That's like saying I almost won a million dollars. We all know you broke. <laughs> I almost got married, but you didn't. I almost started a business, but you didn't. I almost went to college, but you never did. I almost went to the altar, but you didn't. I almost got baptized, but you didn't. I almost repented, but you didn't. I've come to preach to you, you got to be careful of indecision because indecision will have you in the middle ground called almost. Hallelujah. You almost did, but you did not. Amen. And there's people, I want to help us here today. You know, we get a fix from daydreams. Amen. Our brains get a nice little hit of dopamine on a daydream. You know, it's nice to daydream. Everybody in this building likes a little daydream. Start dreaming about what if one day. That glorious one day, one day we're going to have this. One day we're going to go here. One day, one day, one day. You know, every time you daydream, you get a nice little dopamine hit that your brain all of a sudden gets as excited as if it was happening right now. Now, the beautiful thing about daydream is God says that young men shall see visions and old men shall dream dreams. It's, amen, it's an act of God that he's going to allow you to see things that are not as though they are. It's an act of faith when you can see things that are not as though they are. Amen. But if we stay in 
in the daydream, we allow our brains to, to take over and we feel just as excited as if we did it. But the truth is we almost did it. Hallelujah. That's like all the husbands said, I almost took out the trash. <laughs> but it's it's not taken out. Amen. There's some things we're going to have to take care of. If we stay in the daydream, we limit our actions. If we stay in the daydream, uh, amen, we get excited about the daydream, but nothing in our lives has changed. Well, I'll preach to myself here today. Amen. Come on, somebody. I know it's daylight savings. I know you lost an hour of sleep, but somebody needs to come to church today because there's people living in this right now. You are... I'm not preaching this to, to just empty chairs. I'm preaching this to you right now, that if you are not careful, you will allow yourself to think, amen, well, it's good enough that I almost did it. But the truth is God wants you to make a decision and do something about it. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure the unicorn almost made it to the ark. I'm sure the dinosaurs almost made it on too. But the truth is we'll never know. Uh, because we, we don't believe in those anyways. But, uh, but, but we'll never know because they didn't make it on. Amen. That's a lesson for all of us. It almost is never enough. Amen. Well, some people would say, well, Pastor, I didn't make the wrong decision. But you never made the right decision either. And the danger of indecision, it's a middle ground where we feel safe but we're not safe. You're never safe in almost. Hallelujah. Some people, they're thinking, well, I never, you know, they're so careful and they want to they be perfect about everything. That, that per perfect is affecting their, their, their movement. It's affecting their ability to try because they want to see things done perfectly. Hey, listen, I'm preaching to the choir here, amen, because at the end of the day, we need to get up and start making some actions and start making some decisions because if we make decisions, we make progress. But if we're so concerned about making the wrong decisions and we stay in the middle ground of almost, we never make a decision at all. And if we never make a decision at all, we never make any progress. It's better, amen, to take two steps forward even if you fall and scrape your knees and go back a step than to make no steps at all. Because if you make no steps at all, you stay in indecision, you stay in almost, and you never move forward. Amen, because indecision is your decision. Man, there's people that, 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 that they live this way. I'm just going to stay undecided. There are people that vote this way. That's why they say there's undecided voters. That, that vote doesn't count. It doesn't mean anything. Well, I just I didn't want to make a decision. Well, by not making a decision, you have made a decision. Or if by not making a decision, the decision is made for you. Uh, I come to preach to somebody. That if you don't decide, there will be some other forces in life to decide. If you don't make a decision on whether or not you're going to pay your bills this month, your, your landlord will make a decision for you. Well, is this just too practical today? If we don't make a decision and do something about it, amen, there will be other external forces that will make the decision for us. Eventually, we must decide. God calls us to be people of decision. Several places in Scripture, we find the folly of indecision. We find Lot's wife 
being grabbed by the hand by angels. Amen. Just think about this for a minute. Grabbed by the hand by angels because they didn't want to leave Sodom. They were going to stay in Sodom. In fact, they their feet were glued to the ground. They were stuck in indecision. They didn't want to take one step forward because they were afraid of what would happen. Amen. So the angels grabbed them by the hand and pulled them out of Sodom. And there was only one requirement. Don't look back. But because of her inability to decide between Sodom and obeying God, amen, she found herself in the point of making progress. Amen. She she couldn't decide whether or not to keep making progress or to look back. And there are people in this building that indecision is causing some folks to go backwards when God wants you to go forwards. Amen. But the danger of indecision is ultimately you go nowhere. And when she turned back, the Bible says she turned into a pillar of so she was preserved in a place where she was not making progress. God help us uh, to be decisive. I don't want to be so indecisive uh, that I stay preserved in a place uh, where I'm not making progress. Uh, this is why some people are so frustrated in their walk with God because they're not making progress uh, because they're preserved. Oh, I came to preach to somebody. When you become indecisive, uh, you stay right where you are. Amen. God has called you to make a decision. Amen. Life has called you to make a decision. Uh, your spouse has called you to make a decision. Uh, your boss has called you to make a decision. Uh, and you stay in undecided. Uh, and by standing there in indecision, you go nowhere. Mm, somebody lift up your hands and let's pray all across this building in Jesus' name. Oh, come on. Let's pray. Let's pray. This is... Maybe this is a little too close to home for some folks, but I've come to preach you in a way. We're going we're gonna to have an altar call. God's going to help us. God's going to help us make progress. God's going to help us move forward, but we've got to make decisions. You know, indecision is dangerous because it is the enemy of progress. Amen. It's the enemy of progress, and everybody in this building wants to make progress, right? I hope everybody does. You want to make progress in your marriage? Amen. You want to make progress with your kids? You want to make progress in church? You want to make progress in your job? Amen. Everybody wants to make progress in their finances. Everybody. But when you come to a place of decision, it's a fork in the road. It's go this way or go that way. And we get so paralyzed sometimes by fear, sometimes by decision fatigue. Amen. Sometimes by the unknown. We just don't know what it's going to hold. Amen. And we stay at the fork of the road. And then years go by. Amen, this is Israel. Who It would have only taken them 13 days to get from Egypt all the way into the promised land. But when the time came for them to decide whether or not they were going to go into the promised land, they decided we're not able. They let fear keep them in indecision. Hallelujah. And unfortunately, they wandered for 40 years. I want to help everybody in this building. This is why I'm preaching this to you. I want to help everybody in this building get the most fulfillment out of their walk with God. I want to help you get the most fulfillment out of your life, out of your marriage, out of your job. It starts by making decisions. You know, if you're unhappy about something, you need to decide something. That's really what life is telling you. When something is uncomfortable, it means it's a time of decision. When, there, when you feel like there's a thorn in your flesh, it's often because you need to make a decision. Amen. And there's people, well, well, what if I make the wrong decision? Let me tell you, the wrong decision is still better than no decision at all. 
Now, I'm not asking to tell people to just jump in and, and not think about things. I think we ought to pray about everything. We ought to think about everything. But there's a point where you can get analysis paralysis. <laughs> there's some analysis paralysis, folks, in the house of the Lord. I've been there. I'm not preaching something I haven't lived. I've lived that, man, where I just, there's so many decisions to make. Uh, what's the right decision? Uh, what's the perfect decision? At the end of the day, it's time to just put one foot in front of another and start making decisions. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and God delights in his way. I want to help us. If you are walking in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You need to just let the Holy Ghost lead you. You need to get so in the Holy Ghost uh, that when you're walking in the Holy Ghost, uh, you just, I'm going to make this decision. God, I'm not doing anything sinful. I'm not doing anything intentionally evil. Amen. I've lined it up with your word, but I'm making a decision. Lot's wife perished because of her inability to make a decision. Joshua reminded the people of Israel of the necessity of choosing sides concerning their worship when he stated his decision clearly. He said this in Joshua, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether it's the God of your ancestors, amen, that they served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. He said you got to make a decision. Whose God is going to be your God? What God are you going to serve? Amen. And he quoted these words. Everybody's got on their, on their house wall. Amen. Everybody's got it from, uh, from Hobby Lobby. They put it up. Amen. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know what that is? That's a decision. That's a decision. But, you know, you follow the book of Joshua. This is at the very end of Joshua's life. He's bringing them to a place of decision. But you find the next book, the book of Judges. The book of Judges follows shortly after that. And the Bible says that every man did that which was right in their own sight. And there was, because there was no king in Israel. In other words, they chose, instead of choosing the gods on the other side or choosing the gods there or choosing the Lord, they chose option four. No decision. In fact, we're going to have... We're going to have nobody serving over us. We're going to have no king over us. Uh, they, made, they made a decision of indecision. And then we watch the entire book of Judges uh, where people rise up against them, take them into bondage, uh, and God has to bring a deliverer to try to remind them that if you let me be your God, I'll always deliver you. And they go back into indecision, and God has to come by and deliver them again. I want to help us. Indecision will lead you into bondage. Indecision will lead you into bondage. Indecision will lead you away from God. Indecision. Amen. Elijah was on the Mount Carmel. He's confronting Ahab and the prophets of Baal. And he addressed the fence-sitting, indecisive Israelites. Elijah went before the people and he said this, How long will you waver or halt between two opinions? We got a lot of opinions out there, folks. There, this is the most opinionated generation that's ever lived. Everybody got an opinion, you know. Somebody said opinions are like nose holes. You got two, everybody got two of them. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody's got an opinion or two. Amen. Everybody's got something that they want to say. Everybody's got something they want to think about. Amen. And he says, why are you standing at a place of indecision between two things? If the Lord is God, follow him. He's saying make a decision. If Baal is God, follow him. But the Bible says the people said nothing. 
They chose option three, nothing, indecision. I want to help us here today. We've got to make decisions on whether or not we're going to live for God. I didn't come with a deep message here today, but I have come with a word from the Lord that if we will get out of indecision, our lives will move forward. If we will get out of indecision, our church will move forward. If we will get out of indecision, every area of your life will move forward. Your walk with God will move forward. Indecision is, is one of those things that if we're not careful of, it will take us further down than we ever thought we would go. Under the conviction of the Holy Ghost, Felix was being preached to by Paul, and he sent Paul away and said, come back when I have a more convenient season. That sounds like indecision to me. Jesus put it plainly when he said this, Nobody can serve two masters. You will either love the one and hate the other, or you will cling to the one and despise the other. I want to help us. You cannot stay in a place of indecision. Well, I like God and I like the world. The Bible says if, 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 if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Amen. We cannot love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. It's not saying that God doesn't love us. It's saying that God is not going to share space in your heart for the love of the things of this world. There are too many demises in this generation that have forsaken Jesus, having loved this present world. Amen. In the book of Revelations, uh, he warns the church of Laodicea. He said, you're not hot. You're not cold. You're, ind you're indecisive. Uh, you're in the middle. He said, you're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Amen. I want to tell you that God would rather somebody be on fire or be absolutely cold than to be lukewarm, indecisive in the middle. Can I bring it home? Uh, amen, God. Uh, amen, I know we like to tell everybody, I'd love everybody to be on fire for God. But the truth is, uh, you'd be better off. Uh, amen, there's some folks that are just so unhappy living for God. They're just so miserable. If this is the most miserable thing, uh, amen, and you're always going back to your friends in the world. You're always going back to your hobbies in the world. You're always going back to your old addictions in the world. And you have no desire, uh, amen, to get on fire. Uh, you'd be better off, happier. Uh, amen, and I didn't say you'd be saved, but you'd be happier going the other direction and being full on cold. But to stay indecisive is not the will of God. God said you got to make a decision. It's in or out. It's all or nothing. It's heaven. It's hell. You got to make a decision. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and magnify the Lord. Come on, let's magnify the Lord. Hallelujah. There are people here today that have yet to decide to live for Jesus. Indecision is a decision. Let me say it again. Indecision is a decision. If you have not decided, you have just decided. Now, I've got good news for us. I didn't come to leave us on a low. Amen. I got good news for you. You got time right now. You got time right now to make a decision. I didn't say you got time tomorrow. No man's promised tomorrow. I didn't say you got time next week. There may not be a next week. I didn't say a more convenient season was coming because it may never come. But as of right now, we got a little bit of time to make up our mind. I believe that God is waiting to come back 
Because he's given people one more chance to make a decision. You know, Jesus could show up right now. The Bible says in the moment and the twinkling of an eye. There's people, the, the Bible says that when you see all these things, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Listen, the world's freaking out. CNN, Fox, all those people are freaking out. They don't know what to do about Ukraine. They don't know what to do about the thing. World War III is coming. You know what the Bible tells the church to do? Lift up your eyes, for your redemption is drawing nigh. But if you live in indecisiveness, if you are undecided about Jesus, you're going to let everything in this world going, amen, mess with you and freak you out. And you're going to get stressed and anxious about everything going on. But when you have made your decision, the Bible says in Revelations, come, Lord, quickly come. Everybody's looking down here at what's going wrong. I'm looking up there at what's about to go right. Why? Because I made a decision. There are people in this building today, amen, some that are new, visiting, some that have been here a long time, amen, there's some people who have yet to decide to live for Jesus. There's some folks that have decided to come to church, <laughs> but they haven't decided to live for Jesus. Well, now I'm, I'm going to just put it real plain. You can come to church and not choose Jesus, but when you choose Jesus, you're going to be in church. You can, you can, you're, when you're choosing Jesus, you don't get, you don't get the groom without being part of the bride. You don't get to go to heaven without being part of the church. You don't get to go to heaven without being part of the bride. But there are people that will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these mighty things in your name? Didn't we sit at dinner with you? Didn't we feast with you? Didn't we go to church with you? And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Amen. That word knew is the same word. Amen. When the Bible says Adam knew his wife. Amen. This is consummation. This is commitment. This is decision. He's going to say this. He's going to look at him and say, you never decided. That word literally means to be sure of. I wasn't sure about you. Because you were on the fence. You were halfway in, halfway out, on fire today cold tomorrow. Amen. I'm not talking about people that are trying. Listen, you're going to have hot days. You're going to have cold days. Keep trying. Keep trying. Let me say it until somebody in the back hears me. Keep trying. Keep living for God. You're going to have tough days, but keep trying. You're going to fall and scrape your knees, but get back up and keep trying. But every time you get up, you're making a decision. I will be on fire. I might be cold today, but I'll be on fire tonight. You must decide. And this is the most, this is the, this is the most important part of Christianity is the decision. This is where the shouting and all the other stuff, it, it just falls by the wayside. All that's fun. That's, that's like cupcakes. Everybody loves a cupcake. Amen. Everybody loves ice cream. But decision, that's where the real meat is. This is when you make the decision. Now, let me tell you, decisions are not a one-time deal. I think one of the greatest challenges or the greatest problems, one of them, aside from the fact that it was false doctrine, to tell people that they just have to accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. That's not in the Bible. That's a prayer from the 50s. I'm sorry, but Jesus didn't start speaking this new word in the 50s. you got to go back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? You must be born again. 
But I think one of the greatest challenges, what it did, was it infiltrated even the apostolic church, where was I made a decision one time, and I'm good. I, I, I repented one time. I was baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, and I'm good. I never have to pray through to the Holy Ghost. I never have to repent later on for other things. I never have to. Come on. I, I, I'm not saying we got to dunk everybody again. Once you are dunked, you're dunked in Jesus' name. Praise God. But you're going to have to repent more than once. <laughs> Repentance is not a one-time deal. It's a lifestyle. Repentance is not something you did 20 years ago. Repentance is something you do every single day. Paul said, I die daily. It's a decision you got to make to deny your flesh, to take up your cross, and to follow him. You're going to have to decide it today, and then tomorrow morning when the preacher is not shouting at you, you're going to have to make a decision. I'm not going there. I'm not doing this. I have decided. It's a decision. So I think one of the greatest challenges that's infiltrated people's thought process is that I've decided once and it's done. Amen. Just because you decided to eat a church cheeseburger yesterday doesn't mean you're going to eat one today. You've got to make a decision every day. Praise God. You've got to keep deciding, folks. Listen, it's like marriage. This is why God said, I show a mystery of you, Christ, in the church when he talked about marriage. Marriage is, some people, this is why there's, the divorce rate's so high. In, in especially in America, because they they push the mar- they push the wedding so big, hallelujah! I'm just gonna preach until something breaks. They preach the wedding and they teach the wedding so big that people spend thousands of dollars on flowers, on cake, on dresses, on suits, on decorations, on chairs, but yet very little to no money is invested into the day by day marriage. Hollywood teaches and preaches their doctrine of dating and dating and dating, and they make the entire consummation of the entire movie is that one moment where they kiss and say, I do, but everybody that's been married more than a month understands uh, it's more than just that moment you had where you said, I do. It's Monday morning uh, when nobody's clapping, uh, when nobody's taking pictures, uh, and you made it up in your mind, I decided again, I do. You know what? That's like living for Jesus. When you get up tomorrow and you say, I have decided to live for Jesus. I have decided to serve God. It's when you get up on Tuesday and your back's aching and you lift up your hands and say, bless the Lord at all times. It's when you come to church on a midweek when you're tired and your bones are aching and the snow is falling and the flood rains are coming down and you make it up and say, I have decided I'm going to learn about Jesus. I'm going to be in church. Come on. Don't just invest in the I do at the wedding. Invest in the I do of the marriage. Invest in the I do of a day-by-day decision. I decided, and then I decided again, and then I decided again, and then I decided. Somebody lift up your heads and magnify the Lord. Come on, let's magnify the Lord. Come on, let's magnify the Lord. 
There's some folks, you are indecisive, and God has sent me to just simply tell you, it's time to make a decision. And then tomorrow, you got to make another decision. And the next day, you're going to have to make another decision. And next week, you're going to have to make another decision. Listen, that first initial I do was probably the most excited one because everybody's celebrating with you. When you first make a decision and you come down to the altar and you lift up your hands, everybody's around you praying for you, you get excited about that. That's a great time. Hallelujah. But you're going to have to make that decision again. Here's the beautiful thing about making decisions. The more decisions you make, the easier it gets. Hey, listen, when you, when you make a decision, amen, especially one that's a perpetual decision, you can start automating that decision. Now, I'm not talking about going in autopilot where you aren't thinking about it, amen, but you can just, well, there's some things I've settled. I've already said, you know, if, if you're at the place right now, amen, nobody here is in this place, but there's some folks, amen, that might be in the place where they go, they look at their spouse and say, are we going to church today? You haven't decided. But once you made a decision, we go into church every time the doors are open, and if they'll give me a key. If they give me a key, I'll be there even when the church doors aren't open because I'll open the church doors. What have you done? You've automated a decision, and that decision made the next decision easier. Where now I don't even have to think about it. Amen. Now i got to just think about what color tie I'm wearing because I'm going to church. Amen. I don't have to think about what's going on in the world. I've already made my decision. There are people here today that have yet to decide to live for Jesus. They have yet to decide whether or not to be baptized in Jesus' name. They have yet to decide whether or not they want to repent. Repentance is beautiful. It's an opportunity to turn from all of your mistakes and to turn to Jesus. I don't know who sold repentance as an evil thing or as a bad thing. I thank God for the opportunity. You mean I can be better? You mean I can change? Praise God. You mean I can get up from my sin and walk towards God? Praise God. But you have to decide. You have to decide to go to the altar. This is where, this is where it gets real. See, because we can preach and get everybody shouting and swinging from the proverbial chandeliers. But you have to make a decision. I'm going to live for God. Well, what if, what if nobody else does? Okay, I made my decision. I cannot make your decision. I'm going to live for God. Well, what if nobody followed? That's all right. I have decided to live for Jesus, whether anybody else does or not. Amen. In fact, there, there's, there were disciples that came to Jesus, and they said, oh, we want to follow you. See, desire's there. Desire's there. People want to. There is a want. There is a desire that's there, but the decision still has to be made to do it. Hallelujah. They said, Lord, we want to follow you. And he said, all right, follow me. He said, well, well, we got some things we got to do first. Well, I got, and they had great excuses, great reasons why not. And Jesus said, you can leave that stuff to the side. I told you, follow me. I want to tell you that when we, when we are presented with a decision, we must make the decision or we must, we must say yes or we must say no. Because indecision, Jesus, when those disciples said, well, we got all this other stuff going on, they expected Jesus to just stay right where he was and wait for the longest amount of time for them to make the decision. Amen. But Jesus said, I'm, I'm going. You are welcome to follow me. And he just started walking. 
And they had a decision to make. Am I going to stay here and stay stuck in indecision? Or am I going to make a decision that says, all right, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Amen. There, there are many people that are given this opportunity, but it comes down to the point where they finally have to pull the trigger and say yes or say no, and they get stuck. I want to preach you out of that. It'd be better off for you to say no or to say yes than to stay stuck. You just got to make a decision. Let's stand across the middle and lift up our hands. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray all across this building. Come on, let's pray. Amen. I'm preaching to folks that right now you are you are indecisive. God has been speaking to you about some things. God has been sharing some things with you, but you are paralyzed right now. Amen. Between all of the options and all the choices, I want to tell you: just say yes to what Jesus has told you to do. Just say yes to what God is declaring for you. Amen. Paul saw two camps: the almost and the altogether. Hallelujah. He said, yeah, I see you. Thou almost persuadest me to be a Christian. He said, I wish you were more than almost. I wish you were all together like me. I'm going to tell you right now. Somebody put it best. They said, if you live for God easy, it will be very hard. But if you live for God hard, it will be easy. If you live for God, the, the most dangerous place for an apostolic, for a Christian to be, is to be in the indecisive phase. Are you in or are you out? That's really what it is. Notice how the Bible never says you can rent the field. I'll rent the field till I get the treasure. You can't rent the field. You got to buy it. But in order to buy it, what do you got to do? You got to sell everything else out. The kingdom of God is all or nothing. If you want the pearl of great price, you got to sell all the other pearls. Some people are, well, I don't think that's fair. Well, this pearl is very valuable. And, and good luck going and telling the merchant down the road that's selling tires. Well, I don't think your price is fair. <laughs> He'll tell you either you pay the price or you go down the road and find somebody else. And there's people that look at Jesus and say, well, I don't think that's fair. And he's like, hey, listen, this pearl is very valuable. It costs Jesus everything. Let's just get this through real quick. Well, I, I live for God so difficult. It's so Listen, try being God. Jesus died for our sins, according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again the third day. He was betrayed. He was stabbed. He was all sorts of stuff. And he gives this freely to us. But he says this, all it's going to cost you is all of you. Hallelujah. You have to lay down all of your weights and all of your sins at the altar. You have to repent of all of your sins. Amen. Well, I want to hold on to this one. That's, that's called being indecisive. Well, I kind of want this, and I, you know, it'd be better off to come down to the altar and say, all right, Lord, I choose you. And I know if I choose you, you will help me with all this other stuff. Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody lift up your hands. I wish you were on fire. I, I, the, everybody that's on fire wishes you were on fire. Everybody that's sold out to Jesus wishes you were sold out. Everybody that's, that's sold all and bought in, amen, to the kingdom of God wishes you were sold out and bought into the kingdom of God. Amen. Jesus who gave all is just wanting you to purchase all. Hallelujah. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on.
We're going we're gonna to have a breakthrough in this altar call. We're going to have a breakthrough because I'm preaching to more than just sinners. I'm preaching more, I'm preaching more than just visitors. I'm preaching more than, more than just prodigals. I'm preaching to saints of the living God right now that God has got some things in, in set before you, but you have to make a decision. Come on, let's pray. In Jesus' name, God help us. God help us. In fact, I want to open up this altar. Would you come down to the front? I know this is a sobering word. I promise it'll be more exciting next week. Amen. But, but right now, you and I, we all have something that God has been speaking to us about. In fact, some it's the ultimate concern. Have you repented? Have you asked God to forgive you? I want you to come down to this front and just lift up your hands and say, God, would you forgive me? Maybe it's been a while since you prayed through the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. Today's your day. To say, all right, Lord, I'm going to make my decision. Come on, don't let the decisions of others hinder your decision. Come on, I know we all wish everybody make the same decision, but not everybody does. But you can come down to this altar and you can make your decision. And when you make your decision, it changes everything. Come on, it changes everything for you. Lift up your hands as we pray all across this building. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name, thou almost persuadest me. Oh, Agrippa, I wish you were all together. I wish you would make your mind up. Don't wait for one more minute. Don't wait for one more day. Today's the day of salvation. Come on, let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Somebody needs to say, Lord, Lord, would you wash my mind? God, I've decided, I, I filled my mind with all sorts of junk, but I've decided today I'm laying that stuff down at your altar. I have decided to follow Jesus. Come on. I preached about it and taught about it on Wednesday. you got to get off the highway, and you got to get yourself on to the narrow path called Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Come on, make your decision. God, I'm going to live for you. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, Father. You can't wait for the wife or for the kids. As for me. Come on, Mother. You can't wait for your husband. You can't wait for your kids. You can't wait for your grandparents. you got to say, as for me. Come on, kids. You can't wait for your parents. You gotta say it as for me. We will serve the Lord. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. Come on. I have decided. Come on, ARC. I'm calling us to a place of decision today. You're indecided about something, undecided about something. Today's your time to make your mind up. Right now is your opportunity to decide. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow. Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back.
turning back I have decided to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus I Come on. have decided It's time to make your decision to follow Jesus Come no on. Turning back. Come on, young person. No Don't wait till you're 30 back. years old. Don't wait till you're 40 years old. Don't, Don't wait till you're a teenager. Don't wait. You got to make your mind up now. Still Come on, single person. Don't wait till you're married to make your mind up. Because if you can't do it single, it's going to be a lot harder for you to choose when you're married. Make your mind up now. I still will follow, no turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry. Till I see Jesus, my cross I'll carry. Till I see Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. Oh, 
It's breaking right now. People are saying yes. They have decided. They have decided.
I say yes to being on fire. I say yes. I say yes. Yes. I agree. Oh, I agree. I say yes. I say yes. Yes. I agree. I say yes. Come on, somebody ought to celebrate. Yes. You said yes to Jesus. I you want to celebrate right now. If you said yes to Jesus, you want to celebrate. I say yes. this building me, the cross before me the world be lift up your hands me, if you have said yes to Jesus Let's lift our hands all across this building and magnify the Lord.